1: Hello friends, welcome back to another episode of the Road World Football Podcast. As you know, it is the most important podcast in the universe. Some call it that, including myself, hopefully you do too. What's up Bennett, my man, how you doing? My name is Josh Norris, thank you so much for tuning in, and thank you so much for checking out today's episode. Thank you so much for checking out yesterday's episode with Nick, Ray, and Rich, and also checking out Tuesday's episode with Ray and Road, to Road Live this Sunday, noon Easter. Check it out on YouTube. It's a live show, pregame show, kickoff show, one you actually enjoy. It's fun. Come join us. Noon Eastern. Okay, coming up in a little bit, about 15 minutes, we've got Roto Pat, pick on his rankings. Um, Pat, as you know, has all the rankings up on Roto World, and it's, you know, fun for me to get a little bit of an edge and uh, get a little mean and make him defend his stuff. But first up, it's Evan Silva. Evan writes the matchups column up at Roto World. Did you get snow today? Yes, we did.
2: Yes, we did. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, were you were you into snow as a kid? Because you, yeah, you had siblings around absolutely. your age, right? You still had. You still do.
2: I was absolutely into snow and uh, you know getting on the sleds and riding down the big hills. We would go to the biggest hills. Yep. And we would ride down, and we would say, you know, parents, stay home. Yep. We are going to go by ourselves. You know, I had a group of. I grew up like in my early years in uh, uh, Arlington, Virginia. Uh, me and my buddies would go to the biggest hills in Arlington, Virginia. And there were a lot of them. I mean, hey, go to the, you know, Appalachian areas. I mean, there are a lot of big hills in Arlington, Virginia. And uh, we would not want our parents to go there. And we would go down all of them really, really fast. And that was, you know, that was a great time in my life for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, skipping, not skipping school, missing school because of snow. There, I mean, that might have been one of the best feelings ever as a kid okay let's move on evan time to talk about a few players matchups that you have your eye on this weekend first up in the detroit lions against the carolina panthers game a game let me find it here for you 51 over under with the panthers as four point favorites on the road let's talk about carrion johnson Uh, evan he's had a number of big games this season we know that the lions as a whole their goal is to run the football Um, And it's not like this Panthers defense is one that we should respect at all.
2: Yeah, there have been two defenses in the NFL that I think have been the most disappointing to me. And number one is the Bengals. But that's by like a long shot. But the Bengals have a legitimately bad defense. And um, it's tough for me to explain. And you know what? That's why coaches get fired. You know, And we just saw Terrell Austin lose his job over it. Uh, But to me, the Panthers... Uh, are number two in terms of uh, most disappointing defenses. They're allowing 4.36 yards per carry to opposing running backs. Uh, they have allowed over 100 rushing yards in two of the past three games. Carry on Johnson, so he's been very up and down uh, in large, you know, he kind of goes as the Lions' offense goes. But last week he actually overcame how the Lions' offense went because the Lions' offense was just trash against the Bears, but they stuck with them. Uh, and one of the biggest concerns with uh, on Johnson was the return of Theo Riddick. However, Theo Riddick is playing slot receiver for the Lions mm-hmm. right now. And by the way, if you have Theo Riddick in the PPR league, he's a great flex play this week because yep. Marvin Jones is not going to play. Right. They have on Johnson and Theo Riddick, and that's it.
1: And the Panthers haven't been great against slot receivers as a whole. Like
2: awful. awful, oh, awful.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was trying to be kind, but yes, they have been very bad against it.
2: <laughs> Tyler Boyd went off against them. Juju yeah. on that night that you called it, uh, yeah. he went off against them. Adam Humphreys had eight for eighty-two against and, them. And Sterling two Shepard. <laughs> Sterling Shepard had four for seventy-five. Cole Beasley had seven for seventy-three. Yep. Okay. okay. So Theoretic Actually, he's a really good PPR flex play, and we thought about adding him to our uh, guys that we wanted to touch on. But we want to touch on Carryon because, number one, he's way underpriced in daily fantasy. And number two, because people are still kind of on the fence as to whether he's a good play. He is a good play. Last week, even as the Lions fell behind, he had 20 touches and played 71% of the snaps. Okay, uh, He ran his second most routes of the season. He had eighty-nine total yards. He scored twice. Uh, LeGarrette LeGarrett Blunt is terrible. I mean, six carries for four yards. Stop giving the ball to LeGarrett Blunt, please. Like I am I'm, I'm not even kidding. Lions, please be smart, okay? You have been smart with Theoretic. You were using him in an optimal optimal manner. You're trending toward using on Johnson in an optimal manner. Just stop using LeGarrett Blunt. But um on Johnson, I think, is a confident RB two start. I have about mm-hmm. ten or uh, twelve season long leagues. I think I have him on two of them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like not even a uh, not even a uh, question. I'm starting him in both.
1: We were joking before the podcast started that Don Terry Poe is on the Panthers. Like this is someone that was an anchor for the Chiefs. Um, had a solid year last year for Atlanta. You would not know he's even on the Panthers. I mean, I bet I asked. Half the people out there, if they knew he was on their team, they would, might not know. The Panthers' issue, man, is they didn't bring any new bodies rushing the passer as well. Like, they're just counting on aging mm-hmm. players. And if k1 Short doesn't get pressure from the interior and Mario Addison, Julius Peppers don't get it from the outside, then they have to blitz. And we know, Evan, that like a successful yeah. team that wants to go deep into the playoffs, rushing the passer with four is the way to do it.
2: Their blitz rate is really high. Yep. Because they have
1: to high manufacture high. pressure.
2: And if, and if they
1: don't get there, then they don't get there. And then your defense is screwed. And look,
2: I really like DJ Moore and I know that you do too. Yeah. But if you could go back, would you take Harold Landry over DJ Moore? I mean, I I know that you would. I know. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'd handle Harold Landry as a top 10 prospect. So yeah, that's, that's where I was on that one. Um, Let's move on to the next one. Okay. Let's move on to the next one. Sorry. Um, We'll talk about T.Y. Hilton next. T.Y. Hilton uh, is someone who, you know, he wasn't a tight end. And so he didn't score a touchdown last week, Evan. (laughs) It's kind of that simple with the Indianapolis Colts. You don't think it was that negative of a week though. And, and are optimistic about his game against the Titans this week.
2: No, I I didn't at all. Um, First of all, Tua Hilton's problem in the first half of the season. And a big reason for why people don't trust him today is because he had a hamstring injury. And look, any speed receiver with a hamstring injury is going to be a bad bet. You know, nine times out of 10. I mean, you know, Kiki QT or, you know, Will Fuller or, you know, the, uh, Deshaun Jackson or, you know, all these guys, like you cannot play speed receivers with, uh, uh, hamstring injuries. Now there one, there was one week and I own, uh, uh, T Y Hilton in a high stakes league, like really big buy-in. And we had some guys in our group. We have like a four man group. And, uh, there was one guy standing out saying that he really wanted to play T.Y. Hilton against the Bills, okay? And I was like, he's coming off a hamstring injury, and he's facing Tredavious White. And he caught four passes in the game for 26 yards, and guess what happened? He scored two touchdowns in the game, okay? So he wound up with like you know 20 fantasy points or whatever, and the guy was just like, I told you so, I told you so. Um, But, you know, we try to just make the best decisions that we possibly can. At this time, we are getting T.Y. Hilton uh, a week removed from his bye. Uh, He was a full-time player in week 10. He led the Colts in receiving yards with 77, facing off with Jalen Ramsey. He led the Colts in targets. He had seven targets. He led the Colts in air yards. He had 71 air yards. Now we are getting him on the fast track at Lucas Oil Stadium. If you look at his, T.Y. Hilton's historical home road splits, really strong in the favor of T.Y. Hilton playing at home. And then we can look at uh, just the perimeter receivers that have faced the Titans recently. Of course, the Colts are playing the Titans this week. Tyrell Williams, 4 for 118 and a touchdown. Michael Crabtree, 6 for 93 and a touchdown. Josh Gordon, 4 for 81. Amari Cooper, 5 for 56 and a touchdown that's just in the within the last four games okay uh and if you don't want to you know love the 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 splits of the outside receivers ty hilton since over the last two weeks he has run over 40 percent of his routes at slot receiver and julian edelman just ate up the Titans' slot coverage uh last week seven catches for uh well over 100 yards uh so uh, T. Y. Hilton, I think, is a great bounce-back bet. This week, we have him playing indoors in a uh, game with a, a relatively high total, uh, and we love playing him at home always.
1: Evan, if you look at T. Y. Hilton's like career highlights, okay, you'll see 50% of the plays are long bomb touchdowns. We just like we just haven't seen that this year, right? Is is that something that's still part of the Colts' arsenal? Or will it have to be a Justin who'll have to win in different ways?
2: He's been nursing a hamstring injury. Okay. I mean, that's, I think that's the best, you know. I, we're not going to get T.Y. Hilton getting, like, games where he gets 14 targets anymore because, hey, they have Eric Ebron. They have um, Jack Doyle. They have Mo Alley Cox, who, you know, laugh at all you want. The dude is, like, one of the most athletic dudes in the NFL. Dontrell Inman, um, you know, Marlon Mack. Actually, Andrew Lux passing volume so in weeks one through seven he led the NFL in pass attempts and ever since his pass attempts are way down so we are not going to be getting 14 target T.Y. Hilton anymore we are going to be getting him in the six to eight target range and when we can get him at a relatively cheap cost in a good spot which this is I think we play him. is
1: there anything you want to say about the Colts offensive line a team that hasn't allowed a sack in four games which is I mean, just from a year or two ago, just like maybe one of the most amazing turnarounds in the NFL.
2: Yeah, I have a lot to say about the Colts' offensive line. First of all, if you just look at what they've invested into their offensive line, they use a first-round pick on their left tackle, Anthony Costanzo. They also signed him to a big extension under Ryan Grigson. Uh, Left guard, Quentin Nelson, they use a number six overall pick on this dude. He's a bad he's a bad boy. He's a bad, he's
1: bad boy. He's a bad boy. <laughs> he's going to be calling his stocking, right? I love Quentin Nelson.
2: Um <laughs> at center they use a number 18 overall pick on yep. Ryan Kelly. Uh and he dealt with like concussions, like a scary scary kind of uh stuff early in his career, but he's healthy now and he's he's balling uh at right guard. Well, let's we we will save right guard for for last. Uh at right tackle Braden Smith, drafted by Chris Ballard, number 37 overall out of, I believe, Auburn. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, yes.
1: And he was a, uh, I believe he was a guard at Auburn. Um, He might have been a, played some tackle too there, but I'm, I don't know if like tackles is, and you might know this better, I don't know if he was viewed as a tackle by many teams, let's put it that way.
2: I think that's the best way to put it. I think that's the best way to put it. Anyways, so we've established that four of their offensive line starters were top 40 picks in the NFL draft. Do you know who starter number five was, is?
1: Is it going to be Joe Haig?
2: It may be at some point, but right now it's Mark Lewinsky.
1: Oh, there we go. Do you remember much about
2: Mark Lewinsky?
1: I believe he went to, did he go to West Virginia? Did he? Yes, he did. And was he he with the Seahawks? Yes, he was. There we go. A, a, why, um, did they,
2: why did they take him?
1: Athlete.
2: Athlete. Bingo. Bingo. And uh, who was unable to develop him?
1: That guy that's up and attached to John Gruden's hip up in Oakland. How do you know all
2: this stuff, Josh? It's,
1: I mean. Uh, it's so a... <laughs> anyways,
2: Chris Ballard <laughs> grabs Mark Gluinski off of waivers right. last December. Okay? Which is really smart. First of all you get the entire rookie contract that Mark Lewinsky signed with uh, the Seahawks which is just base, you know, minimum base salaries just for, you know, 4 years, okay? You also put him in your system for the entire offseason. You bring him to your uh, your April uh offseason conditioning program. You bring him to your OTAs. You bring him to your, you know, your uh, your mini camps, you bring him to training camp, you bring him, he plays in every preseason game. And he did not win a starting job at a training camp because they signed Matt Slauson a veteran. But Matt Slauson got injured. And now Mark Gluinski, who's a bad MFer, is starting at right guard for the Indianapolis Colts on a top five offensive line. Today I wrote that they had the best offensive line in the league. That wasn't the point of what I was talking about. Okay, look, maybe they don't have the best offensive line. I don't really care about that. You know, maybe they're number four or something. I don't know. My point was that, uh, you know, like how do they put this together? You know, that's really what I care about. Yeah. And I thought it was so cool that, you know, Chris Ballard pieced together the left guard, the right tackle, and the right guard. Um, and also inherited some talent, no question. But
1: but, but that's important too. Was really cool. But that's important yeah. too, right, Evan? Because a lot of times when new GMs, new head coaches come in, they just clean house. You know, it, it kind of doesn't matter if someone is a startable talent; they just get rid of them. Mm-hmm. We see that over and over and over again because they want their guys. Meanwhile, and I know both were first round picks. Th- this one is, a contract.
2: This is, honestly, this is one of the reasons that I really respect Chris Ballard yeah. because. When he came in, he evaluated everyone equally. One of the first moves that he made as Colts GM, he signed Jack Doyle to a multi-year extension at three years and 17 million. And I know that that seems like just a drop in the bucket or, you know, something that a lot of people would overlook. But it was clear that Chris Ballard came in and he watched tape of every dude on the roster. And he was like, guess what? We're going to let these guys go we're going to keep the dudes that are good. You know, we're not, we are not running this based on our egos. We are running this based on trying to build the best possible roster that, that we possibly can. And I mean, my, my hat, I, he's one of my favorite uh, five games in the NFL.
1: And, and I could be wrong about this, but I believe the Braden Smith trade was one of the second round picks they got from the Jets. And yep. then, and then they also took Darius Leonard, you know, a linebacker at a <laughs> at a South Carolina State, an FCS and they got product.
2: Off that with that pick, they got scoffed at,
1: right? And yet, he is a very, very good player early on. You know, has made the leap immediately, and is a keeper on that defense. So, it's, it's I'm
2: telling you, if I was a Colts fan, I would be ecstatic. Yeah. I would be absolutely ecstatic. I don't but, care that they're four and five. I love what they're doing.
1: And and I mean they're making it work somewhat with like street for agents at positions we've seen that at wide receiver and when he has time like you mentioned with Glowinski like you mentioned with all the draft picks when he has time to make the correct decisions with good draft capital it seems like he's hitting often so it might not be this year where it all works out right Evan but next year it could be even a different roster cuz they've exceed expectations of the offensive line and for parts of the season, exceeded expectations on defense as well, without talent there, without veteran talent, I should say. And, um,
2: you know, they also were put in a very difficult position because they had, like, agreed to terms with Josh McDaniels. Right. And, and guess what happened, Josh? You know, and this is this is great karma for the Colts. And, and bad karma for the Patriots. They got a better coach in the end. And, I, you know, my, my hats are off to the Colts. I I love them.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Evan, let's close out. We still have one more name. Uh, close out with Traquan Smith. Uh, he put up a goose egg last week. There have been moments here for Traquan Smith. I know he had that, what, two-touchdown performance on Drew Brees' historic night. But we haven't seen, like, that much of him since then. Now they signed Brandon Marshall. Most likely they'll play in different ways. But is there anything we can hang our hat on here with Traquan Smith this week? There's a lot. Okay, There's good. A lot. You ready? Yep. You ready?
2: We're going to start off with um, the Eagles first team nickel package in the secondary beginning in week one okay Uh, left cornerback Jalen Mills out with a foot injury slot corner Sidney Jones out with I believe a hamstring injury Uh, right cornerback Ronald Darby towards ACL last week Uh, free safety Rodney McLeod MCL surgery on injured reserve Malcolm Jenkins last guy left standing Unfortunately, in the Eagles' uh, starting secondary. Uh, so let's go to what they have left. Avante Maddox playing in the slot, five foot nine, 184 pounds. Did you know that uh, the Saints use Michael Thomas in the slot aggressively? Mm-hmm. This is a, an unbelievable mismatch in the favor of the Saints. Let's go to the outside cornerbacks right now for the Eagles. Russell Douglas.
1: Another West Virginia guy.
2: Another West Virginia guy. Uh, last week, he gave up eight catches on 10 targets for 105 yards. Uh, he ran 4.59. He had a bunch of interceptions uh, at West Virginia. And, um, you know, hey, he was definitely worth drafting, but he can't play in the NFL. Like, people are just running by him. Their other outside cornerback is a fellow by the name of Chandon Sullivan. Have you heard of him, Josh?
1: Yeah. Um, and yeah. he went to a small school, right? Yes. Georgia state, Georgia state. There we go. It might be a big school on paper, but like small school football program. Yeah.
2: So he is small and he ran four, six flat, right? Guys like this do not play outside cornerback in the NFL. You know, look, I mean, I'm not, you know, trying to degrade the dude. Like it's, it's great that, that he made it this far and I hope he makes a lot of money in the NFL, because he's he's got to be an incredible worker. But Traquan Smith, so if you adjust just for situation, Traquan Smith has performed at expectation, if not above. So if you go back and look at the splits of Ted Ginn, who is the guy that Traquan Smith is filling in directly for, yeah, pour one out. Ted Ginn was very uh, lopsided in terms of production uh, at the Superdome. So let's look at what Traquan Smith has done. He goose-egged last week on the road at Cincinnati. He had three for 18 previously on the road. He had three for 44 previously on the road. At home, against the Redskins, three catches for 111 yards and two touchdowns. And then in his other home game, he had two for 23 and a touchdown. Last week, he did not have a single target, and a lot of people were pissed about that, and I understand that. But, you know, you should have had a little bit better foresight. He is going back to the Superdome this week to face this beleaguered Eagle secondary with 449 speed, facing off with 459 guy Rasul Douglas on the outside and 4-6 flat Smurf Chandon <laughs> Sullivan. This is a great opportunity to use Traquan Smith in DFS.
1: This is a, a y'all must have forgot spot, apparently. Y'all must have forgot. Evan, before we go and before I get to Pat, the people love this game, okay? And I need to to have a yeah. call back, back to my college buddies, Andy Sadler, Joey Guzzo, Dave Detman. We played this game called Who Has the Remote, okay? Where we try to think of like the most random person that played the in the NFL, and and that guy has the remote so you kind of go around the room yada yada it's not that fun of a game but you get the gist Evan since we just talked about Traquan Smith since we just talked about the Saints give me a random Saints player that enters your brain not named Marquis Colston because we just covered him obviously
2: Devery Henderson is too easy
1: no that's a great one no it's not it's a great one it's big plays Oh 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 there's so many good ones Pierre Thomas, Kyrie Robinson. Oh, Pierre Thomas is a fantastic one. You remember everyone was like, oh, I can't wait for Pierre Thomas to sign with the Patriots. And yeah, like, right. And then it just never no happened.
2: No one even signed him.
1: Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and coming up right after this break, we have Roto Pat. So stick with us. My friends, thank you for tuning in at this midpoint of the episode. And because of that, I need to talk to you about draft.com. And specifically before we move any further, Go to draft.com slash RotoWorld, or when you download the app on the App Store or Google Play, enter promo code RotoWorld, because with a entry deposit, you get a free $3 entry. That's what I'm telling you. You get something for free. Do you like NFL? Do you like NBA? Do you like NHL, golf, MLB when it comes to pass? Yes, you can use draft.com to win money, and it's, not, it's different than any other DFS platform you use because instead of salary caps, you just draft. It's your favorite part, right? And that's why we use it during the summer for best ball leagues as well. Again, draft.com slash RotoWorld or enter promo code RotoWorld for a three a free $3 entry. Now it is time for RotoPat. Patrick Doherty, my friend, it snowed today. You got some as well?
3: We did. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about the changing climate, but the past few years we had had very mild Novembers here in the state of Missouri. And now all of a sudden we're getting like six to eight inches of snow. And uh, re- all I really ask of this is I just want it to make up its mind um, <laughs> and just like stick with that and then barrel in that direction. Um, how, how
1: does Amelia do in the snow? Is she allowed? Well,
3: she is, Josh. It's funny you ask. Um, there was a she'd had no snow clothes that fit anymore. But uh, grandma, Grandma Terry, as she's known nice. around here, uh, arrived last night with basically an entire new. It appears she bought an entire store section worth of sn- snow clothes. And so my daughter was quite well fitted to play in the snow today and uh that she did. Um was she named at all for Amelia Earhart? No. Uh that I think maybe that's honestly how we, we came up with the name. It's it's kind of like a popular name right now too, but oh, is it? I'm not up to. Date. A little, it's, it's, it's a little back in vogue. When we were like workshopping names, it was just like going through like famous Americans like Amelia Earhart and Eleanor Roosevelt, that sort of thing. And um we both like the name Amelia, so she was not not an inspiration, but she is not named for uh, Amelia Earhart. All right, got it. Um, okay, Pat. My so wife's family football. is kind of an aviation family too. Kind of that. So uh, I'm just derailing the podcast. No, here, no, no. no. Yeah. I,
1: I I actually find names super interesting. Um, by the way, did you see that your namesake? Not your namesake necessarily, but Bennett, our number one fan. Did you see that video?
3: I did. There's a few people that asked me if that was my child. Wow. Uh, for those of you who do not know, my son is named Bennett.
1: Oh, I didn't um, I didn't know that, but I forgot. Yeah, this is a different Bennett. We just have a lot of Bennett yes. here, Pat.
3: I had a few people ask me if that was somehow my Bennett. I don't know if they were kidding or not, but uh, yeah, not my son. But my son is it a my, good four, a, my four-month-old son is named Bennett.
1: Is it a good or a bad thing that no one asked me if that was my child? Like they don't think <laughs> I'm responsible enough to have children, I guess.
3: <laughs> um, and all, all I do now is have kids, so we're just like the <laughs> total opposite you Reeves and Philip rivers. That's it. Yeah. And uh, don't forget crow. Yeah, I wasn't going to go
1: there, but you did. Okay, Pat, uh, let's talk about football. We're not talking about Philip rivers, but we are going to talk about your rankings, which are up on rotor right now. Go and check them out. I get to pick on them each and every week. I'm a nice guy, but I'll have a little bit of an edge here, Pat. Okay. We're going to start with Leonard Fournette as running back 11. Leonard Fournette returned last week. Um, he put up startable numbers, right? And, Cause he got in the end zone, but other than that, Pat 2.2 yards per carry. I mean, I joked about it prior to the season that I was excited to draft Leonard Fournette because, uh, I knew he was going to get 3.5 yards in a cloud of dust and find the end zone and maybe chalk up a few big plays. But, um, Pat, unless he finds the end zone, it's kind of seems like he's boomer bust and it's not that easy of a matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers to me because that defense has played fairly well. And 2.2 yards of carry, that's certainly low for a high ranked running back at running back 11.
3: It's really bad, Josh. It's, it's actually good. quite, <laughs> quite bad. Um, it's just he gets so many opportunities to broom or bust. Uh, they probably should not have given Leonard Fournette the ball 29 times last week, especially since they went out and made a mid season acquisition of Carlos Hyde, where they could have like a pretty good rotation, three back rotation going with Leonard, Carlos, and TJ Eldon. But, uh, the Jags this year have kind of been all about like doubling and like tripling down on bad plans. And one of those bad plans is to continue to run Lennon Fournette as many times as possible. And uh, quite likely probably not at hundred percent health, but I just don't see any reason for their plan to change this week. And if you're getting, you know, 20, even if you're getting 22 to 24 touches, that's almost like automatic RB one territory. And like, if you're getting 25 to 30, you just can't, it doesn't really matter what the ypc is you have to treat that player as a guy in the rb1 rb2 borderline and uh, so it's just all about the uh, the crazy usage uh, i wouldn't do it it's what they're doing and so i have to i have to respect that with my rankings how many
1: attempts would it take you to get 2.2 yards
3: <laughs> wait it so, like uh you're saying if I is currently
1: constituted. Like if you, if, if you I wind was, up seven yards behind the quarterback in shotgun and behind under center and his name was Blake Bortles and you were wearing this oversized number 27 jersey and on the snap you ran up and got the football, how many attempts would it take you to get 2.2 yards? Or would it just probably be two. play after negative play after negative play?
3: No, I bet two or three. Uh, we could do like a lot of motion, have like a. Marquise Lee's hurt, but uh, I was gonna say have Marquise Lee like going in motion, okay. like just have like all these like wide like wide receivers just running crazy pre-snap uh, patterns and uh, just confuse the defense and give me the ball and a read I, option. I think after two or three plays, we could get two point two yards.
1: I I thought you were gonna say that you were the jet sweep kind of guy, like that. That was you. You're the lateral <laughs> quickness, speed
3: off. Well, the edge. we have to. I've been made fun of a few times around here before by. I've said that I am basically Christian McCaffrey's size. Um, I'm certainly not Christian McCaffrey's level of athlete, but uh, you know if Christian McCaffrey can do it, I bet I could get 2.2 yards after, I'd say, two or three carries. Motion would probably be actually maybe the worst thing to do because those are the kind of plays that can get really, really, really blown up. But that's what I would request. That's w- That would be my plan.
1: Okay, Pat, let's keep it going with another running back, Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack had two great weeks, right? Like 120, 130.
3: Three great weeks. Was it three? I thought it was two. Three great weeks at a 89 rushing yard performance, 126, an and 132. Okay, fine. Whatever. Three weeks. He averaged almost eight yards per okay. carry in that
1: Okay, game. those final two were against Oakland and Buffalo, right? Two trash teams, okay? Maybe the two most trash in the league other than the Jets.
3: Uh, the third was also against the Jets. Okay, there we go.
1: <laughs> so all three were against probably the three worst teams in the league. Okay? Um, then he faces a quality true. team, correct, uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars and is held to very little. So, and I know four games is a small sample size and three were successful and one was not. But here with Marlon Mack, Pat, could we look at someone and infer that he's a matchup-dependent, game script-dependent style runner And now against Tennessee, who's only allowed 53 rushing yards on average over the last three games, running back 14
3: seems kind of high. And that's where you happen. I mean, one thing good players do is take advantage of bad matchups. I feel like you can't the fact that Marlon Mack hit three bad matchups out of the park uh, isn't like a negative to me. I mean, I can understand why you would look at it that way, obviously. But to me, that's just uh, the sign of a good player that he's doing what he should do in those bad matchups and a sign that he could have good games and tough matchups. And it is a very tough matchup. Um, it's not, uh, the, the Titans are pretty tough against the run actually, but you know, he's a two point home favorites. Uh, he's running behind an offensive line. that's like paving rushing lanes. So that, that kind of plays into it. So you like the home favorite, you like the, the strong offensive line. And uh, it's kind of too late. Like, a lot of these rankings are always kind of the product of who, well, who, like, who are the other options? Like, I guess you could argue I could have – you could certainly argue I could have Deion Lewis ahead of Marlon Mack, but that, you know that's still – for however great Deion Lewis's usage has been, it's still a two-back backfield. You have Mark Ingram in a two-back backfield. That's a high-scoring game, but Eagles' tough run defense. Uh, you have Tevin Coleman, who hasn't really done anything all year. One good game. You've got the Dalvin Cook uncertainty against the Bears. You have Carrion Johnson in the three-man rotation. You have Adrian Peterson running behind the injury-ruined offensive line. So it's not just about Marlon Mack. It's also about – the people behind him and it's just Marlon Mack has very valid questions, which you raised, but I'm just more comfortable with his questions than the players behind him is kind of what it boils down I to. You.
1: I've actually been surprised by how like the numbers of the Titans defense, you know, um, like I think Reeves wrote in the worksheet, they've only allowed 1.7 offensive touchdowns per game, which is nothing. Even yeah. though like we see Malcolm Butler burn like every single game for a big play.
3: I know it is. It is a little incongruent. And Logan Ryan, you know, and not anyone's idea of an elite no. corner either, but yeah, they have uh, they've, they bring in the box scores. Um, even if you, the eye test, you see people just sprinting by Malcolm Butler.
1: Okay. Let's move on to Kenny Galladay. Uh, okay. Talk about good and bad games here. Uh, week seven, two catches, 37 yards on two targets. Week eight, one catch, 12 yards on one target. Uh, the next game, three catches, 46 yards on four targets. Pat, he finally blew up last week, I guess with six catches, 78 yards and a touchdown on 13 targets. But like that lions bears game was the mother of all garbage time performances. I mean, the lions were done at halftime and then they just threw the ball as much as they could in the second half. And that was even without Marvin Jones. Now I know that your ranking of wide receiver 18 here with Gallaudet is also dependent on Marvin Jones but in that he might even move up if Marvin Jones doesn't play pat to me wide receiver 18 is super aggressive for a player that's basically had one usable game in four games.
3: Well, we better get used to it. Cause like he said, he's probably going to go higher, uh, Marvin Jones did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, today is Friday. Um, be all important for Marvin Jones's status. Uh, I'm, the Galladay thing is just, yeah, I don't know what's going on because it didn't happen for him even in the first game of the post-Golden Tate era, and it wasn't happening for him last week until Marvin Jones got hurt. I believe I read in the worksheet that eight of his 13 targets came in the fourth quarter after Marvin Jones was hurt. So you've got a lot of bad mojo with Kenny Galladay, but just it's never made any sense. You know, the, 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 the usage to the first seven quarters of the post-Golden Tate uh, era was like so inane that like they almost have no choice but to change it and you know i'm pretty sure their hand will be forced and marvin jones will sit um but yeah i just the usage has to go up i mean it's just kind of baffling that it hasn't and know, yeah, if marvin jones is out uh you could see some james bradbury he's he, you know he runs hot or cold you know a lot about the panthers obviously uh not a particularly foreboding right. matchup could be uh kind of an interesting matchup but uh this, the Lions have to use him, and we know he's a good player. And Marvin Jones is probably going to be out, so he's going to be a wide receiver too this week. Even though he's got like more, he's got like a season's worth of bad mojo going for him. Basically, did any of that make sense? No, it if you're dead, listening it to dead. the podcast, what, what's... you're listening to the podcast. Tweet and tell me if that made sense. <laughs> do you ever listen back to the podcast? Very rarely. Okay. I do um, every one
1: because you know my listen. You're you're a perfectionist. Yeah, I guess I am. I do that with videos too. And I know some people. Ooh, who, video. I don't
3: think I've ever rewatched a video. I yeah, was I,
1: I, oh. I watch everyone about five times. Not because I'm full of myself, because that's how like I get better at it. To me,
3: no, oh, yeah, not at all. Uh, extremely <laughs> narcissistic. Oh, trust me. People walk by at work
1: and they look at my screen, and I'm looking at myself, and they just <laughs> laugh at me all the time. That would
3: be. I would like not come into the office for two more weeks if someone like caught just me watching one of my own videos.
1: I just get made fun of for how big of a nerd I am too. Which like we're all nerds. Hello. We work in the newsroom. You are
3: you are a bigger nerd. I mean I am. Uh, I don't know any I don't know anything about like Dragon Ball Z. No offense to all the Dragon Ball Z fans. Which seems to be there's a lot because people are always tweeting at you about it. They are. Um uh,
1: like today today uh, people at work learned that I make I build computers, you know? And I did not I didn't want to know that. It's not, but it's, it's, it sounds much more difficult than it actually is. I know. I
3: have lots of friends that do it. It's actually fairly normal activity.
1: Um, I'm a nerd though. Okay. Let's close out here, Pat, with Corey Davis. Uh, okay. This might be, it's kind of what we talked about with Kenny Galladay, right? Like after multiple unusable weeks, four catches, 49 yards, one catch, 24 yards, three catches, 10 yards, six catches, 56 yards. We finally had a breakout performance from Corey Davis, arguably Pat one of the best wide receiver performances of the year. Cause he just dominated Stefan Gilmore. Who's playing at a high level this year, 10 targets, seven catches, 125 yards and a touchdown. But Pat, I mean, you have him as wide receiver 22 this week against the Indianapolis
3: Colts. I mean, who's he supposed to be ahead of? You could certainly argue. He could be ahead of Mari Cooper. Uh, I mean, should he be ahead of Tyler Boyd? Uh, if we can't be ahead of Galladay at this point, I mean, Why not? like i Like, like, <laughs> Marvin Jones, isn't going to play. We all know. Let's just be real. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you can put him ahead of Alshon Jeffrey. Maybe you can put him ahead of T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Corey Davis is coming off – ten he's had back-to-back 10 target games for the first time in his career. Uh, but he's only had more th- – a weird kind of like dumb cherry-picking stat. He's only had more than 62 yards twice all season. And one of those was last week against Stefan Gilmore. Very impressive. But, you know, this is a passing offense. Doesn't Not a lot of passing touchdowns. I will say everyone's confidence seems to be growing. Like Corey Davis is – definitely a candidate for like a very hot finish to the season. Uh, him and Marcus Mariota kind of seem to be like coming alive, like in tandem like at the same time, kinda helping each other to you know kind of the football we want to see from them finally. But it's just yeah, there's only so high you can put a guy in this kind of offense with this kind of like checkered uh track record so far this season and you like the volume. That's why he's in the wide receiver two ranks. But uh yeah you still in my opinion you still just need to see a little more uh, from Corey Davis where you getting really, really crazy with the rankings.
1: Yeah. I mean, I certainly hope that like the Titans are for real, you know, and this is something we can build on. And I know Marcus has had what, like three or four good games in a row, but it's also an offense that like
3: good by his standards.
1: Right. Like I and
3: mean, they've been, they've been objectively solid, I guess. Right. And it, um,
1: I'm not saying it, it's been talked about like, you know, the Rams or chiefs offense, but it's been closer to that than like closer than to the Raiders offense, you know? And, Meanwhile, yeah. they're they're exactly in between. You know, it's just something for a that, while.
3: They they were kind of raidersing it up for a while. Oh, they were.
1: Uh, it was broken, yeah. and it's been broken for years. I know it's different this year, but like I, I mean, I, I tweeted about it till like week five that I didn't know what their offensive identity was. You know, and that could change now. now
3: uh, one of the reasons I have Kenny Galladay ahead of Corey Davis is because the Lions have a very clear offensive identity. Yeah, uh, that was a joke. You just get behind uh, had- and then try to have garbage time. <laughs> The Lions' offensive identity makes literally zero sense. I
1: think I already talked about this on a podcast, maybe this one last week, but Kenny Galladay is only like a year and a half older or younger than Keenan Allen.
3: Did you realize that? I did not. It's all about age. We're all Isn't that bananas? We're getting older. We just become such ageists, even though now we're all old. And then um, and then this is also a team that
1: opened the year, and if you if you want to go back to like last February, they had Eric Ebron, Golden Tate, Kenny Galladay, and Marvin Jones, and then they're like, actually, we want to sign LeGarrette Blunt. Draft a running back and run the football.
3: <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Uh, well, you know Matthew Stafford's never been comfortable with high volume, um, so right,
1: and it's not like they have a, a a lot of money tied up in him anyway. So,
3: and it's not like as he remained extremely high volume, he also got increasingly more efficient. Right, right, right. So, it right. and it's not like they invested in the offensive
1: line to hopefully protect him even more too. <laughs>
3: So it just made a lot of sense to throw the car in reverse is what we're saying.
1: Uh, Pat, you can check out his rankings up on Roto world. You can also check him out on Roto world live this Sunday, noon Eastern on Roto world's YouTube page. Pat, I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. I hope Amelia has a happy Thanksgiving that she lifts off and takes off and has a, a beautiful weekend and a beautiful week. And to all of you, beautiful people out there. We'll talk to you soon, especially you Bennett.
0: I'll talk to you soon, buddy. See ya.